0: Hey, welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. It is Kelly with you. And my goodness, if you are listening to the podcast in real time, then we are kicking off a brand new year today, 2020. It's kind of crazy to think how fast 2019 went. Uh, it just did, it flew right by, especially for me. I don't know if I'm alone in feeling this way. I've talked to some other people, though, that seem to share that feeling that the year was just a blur. And you know what? Some pretty awful stuff happened in 2019, and some good things happened as well. And I'm kind of feeling neutral about this past year. You know, I sometimes am just super happy to see a year go away. Like 2017 was one of those years. It was the year my dad had a stroke. We just struggled a lot in trying to find a new normal, and I just was ready for that year to be done. This past year, yeah, I had, had some challenges and definitely some really sad things happened, especially just recently, but I don't know. I'm kind of feeling a, a little like mixed bag of 2019 because some great things happened like I launched Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast that I've really been thinking about for like the last four years and wanting to do and this year, I finally made that happen, took the step and launched the podcast. So I think that's one great thing that happened. And we started the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group that's growing and I've been able to meet and talk to so many survivors. And so some good things happened in 2019. And some crummy things happened in 2019. So I'm feeling a little bit neutral about saying goodbye to the year. But you know what, we've already said goodbye, because it is just January. January 1st, 2020, the day that this podcast is being released. And well, I want to say, first of all, that I hope you had a really great holiday. The last couple of weeks, hopefully, were good for you. Hopefully, you had friends and family or just friends just to help you through the holidays, had some people to share love with and Just celebrate and enjoy some time of rest and relaxation. I know it can be a stressful time as well, but I'm hoping that you did get a chance to relax. And well, before I jump into the meat of today's episode, I want to give a big congratulations to the winner... Of our contest. So during the last episode, I encouraged everyone to share a post about the episode on Facebook and to like a post in the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And we had a lot of people that did that. And I want to thank everybody, but I have drawn out the winning name, and it is Josh Yoder from North Carolina who won the weighted blanket. And I got to tell you that I got a weighted blanket for Christmas. (laughs) I asked for one because I just thought, this thing looks nice, and I gotta say, I'm using it every night, and it's a little difficult because here in South Florida, where I live, it's not super cool most of the time, so I get a little bit hot, and like you can't just kick it off like a normal blanket because it weighs so much, so it's a little bit of challenge in the middle of the night, but it is definitely relaxing And I like it a lot. So Josh, I hope you enjoy your blanket. You'll have to let us know. And I want to thank everybody for participating. It was a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to doing some more giveaways in the future. Makes me happy to be able to give stuff away that I think is going to help a little bit um, with healing and de-stressing and just finding a little bit of calmness in a life that can be very, very crazy at times. So, on today's episode of Survivor Sanctuary, I want to talk about New Year's resolutions because this is the time when we normally start resolving to do things. Like, you know, on New Year's Eve, you usually come up with a list, and normally the top thing on the list is I'm going to drop a few pounds, uh, quitting smoking is one that's very popular worldwide, and uh, saving money. I think those are like the top three. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, this year, I wanted to make a little bit of a different list of resolutions because... I think that resolutions for survivors of sexual abuse and for people who are really working at healing from sexual abuse might look a little bit different than your typical list of resolutions. So I wanted to make some resolutions for myself personally, as well as for myself as the host of Survivor Sanctuary and as an advocate who speaks out about sexual abuse. So my list is both personal, and I don't want to call it professional because I'm definitely not a professional. Podcaster, but both personal and podfessional, can I say? In any case, uh, at the top of my list, of goals for 2020 and caveat here real quick, they say, and by they, I mean experts, that it's much better to set goals for a new year rather than to set resolutions because resolutions are kind of like very black and white and it seems like if you mess a resolution up that you just quit for the whole year. Whereas a goal, you can keep working at it and even if you lose a little bit of ground or don't make Quick progress, you can keep chipping away at that goal for the whole year. So, like if you say, I resolve not to eat a speck of sugar in 2020, well, you know, by January 2nd, you probably will have accidentally ingested some sugar and you're like, well, there goes that resolution. So, experts advise that instead of doing resolutions, to set goals. So, I have set some goals for myself for 2020, for myself and for the Survivor Sanctuary podcast. And I wanted to share those with you today. But before I jump into that, I wanna hear what you are resolving in 2020. And I'm not necessarily talking about things like losing weight or saving money or being better about like answering your texts before six weeks have gone by, Uh, but actually your goals as a survivor and your goals as someone who is seeking to find healing from the trauma that you've experienced. So if you are a member of the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group, well, you can head on over there and just post. I will actually have a post there in the group today asking what your resolutions are as a survivor for the year 2020. And I would love to hear About it, and maybe we can use some of your goals and resolutions for 2020 as the subject of some future podcasts. So, if you're not a member of Survivor Sanctuary, you can join right now by visiting uh, Facebook.com and just search Survivor Sanctuary, request to join, and I will add you to the group and you can be a part of things. I love our little group, it is growing, and it's really great to have people interacting there. And one of my favorite things about the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group is when people have questions or need help with something, especially when it comes to speaking out about sexual abuse or healing or dealing with just a lot of the different issues that we deal with as survivors, people post their questions and ask for help. And we've got some really great people who just jump right in and offer words of encouragement and help and... I always love to see that it's really great it's it's not like i just respond to every single thing and there's nobody else it's like this community of people in the survivor sanctuary facebook group that are so good about just bearing each other's burdens and that's really what it feels like and i love seeing that so go ahead and post um leave a comment on my post about what your goals for 2020 are as a survivor. And you can let us know about some of the more fun goals too. Um, If you have decided not to eat a speck of sugar or to do keto for all 365 days of 2020, I think it's 365 because I think it's a leap year. Then uh, go ahead and tell us about that as well. Maybe it'll give me a little motivation and inspiration. I need to do keto or something. There was a lot of peppermint ice cream happening this Christmas. You know, some people have an issue with like fruitcake. Okay, nobody does because it's gross. But some people, you know, you overindulge in maybe pie over the Christmas break or Christmas cookies. My problem is peppermint ice cream or candy cane ice cream. I love it. It's one of my favorite things in the whole world. And yeah, I might've had quite a bit of ice cream. So... Something must be done. Maybe I should just swear off of peppermint ice cream for 2020. Okay, until December of 2020. So I'm going to dive right in and share with you my goals for 2020, my resolutions for 2020, if that's what you want to call them. And I have chosen three. And yeah, there are probably a lot of things that I need to work on in 2020, but I picked three because I read online this week an article that was talking about the fact that if you just pick three goals or resolutions for the new year, you're far more likely to accomplish them and stick to them. If I give myself like a huge long laundry list, I'll probably get overwhelmed and just be like, you know what, let me forget it. Let me grab a half a gallon of peppermint ice cream and just sit here and eat it and cry. So don't wanna do that. So instead, I have decided to stick with what the experts say. There are so many experts on the internet, right? I mean, they're just full of wisdom, and we can only hope that they're actual experts and they're not conning us into believing something that they just made up in their mother's basement. So goal number one, it may seem super obvious, but one of my main goals for 2020 is to keep speaking out about sexual abuse and about healing from sexual abuse. I have a podcast about speaking out on sexual abuse. So it might seem like, okay, Kelly, it's very obvious that that's one of your goals for 2020. But honestly, and I'm sure that if you advocate at all or you speak out at all, you probably kind of have this feeling as well. It's not always easy to keep speaking out about sexual abuse. Now, sometimes there are really encouraging things that happen, we'll see stories in the news. Um, There's so much more, coverage of the sex abuse problem in the church, especially right now than there has ever been before. And so that part is encouraging, but it's also pretty easy to get discouraged when you're doing this work and when you're speaking out because sexual abuse is not something that people just want to sit and talk about 24-7. It's not something that the average person who's never been affected by it wants to sit and think about or talk about. And there just gets to be Time in every survivor's life and advocacy work where you just kind of like you feel like you want to throw in the towel. You know, it's like, I don't think anything I'm doing is helping. I don't see anybody's mind being changed about sexual abuse in the church and the fact that we need to do something and that we all need to rally around survivors. You know, sometimes you just get overwhelmed by how negative everything can tend to be in this world because we're talking about the sexual abuse of children and that's not something that's easy to deal with and you can get to the point sometimes where you just feel that discouragement and you're like you know what I can't say another thing about this I can't think about it um and even for me like with a podcast there are weeks that it's just like Nobody cares about this. There's so much awful stuff happening in the world right now. It feels like you're not making a difference and discouragement can come. So, definitely one of my goals is to keep speaking out. And I love the saying that if you get tired, rest, don't quit. And for me, that's definitely something that I need to take into 2020 with me. I get tired and it's okay. Everybody does. We can't go 24-7 constantly just moving forward and trying to rid the world of sexual abuse and sexual abusers, you know, without a break. It's not something that we can do. So when we get tired... We can rest rather than quit. And so for 2020, that's definitely a goal of mine. I want to keep speaking out because something that I have learned in the world of sexual abuse advocacy and just speaking out in general is that there's not a ton that we can physically do to change the problem of sexual abuse. As individuals, there's not a ton that we can physically do. I mean, I would like to get like a bunch of spy equipment and like a big unmarked vehicle and just go around and do like child abuse espionage and just like hunt people down and bring them to justice. Like that's something that for me, if I could actually do that, the investigation aspect of it and actually bringing people to justice, I would love to, but I'm one person and I am not legally allowed to arrest anyone. I think I should work on that at some point. And so, you know, we have to do what we can do. And so something that I've learned since I started speaking out is that the number one thing that you can do to make a difference is to speak out. And that means to speak out when it feels like nobody's listening, to speak out when you don't feel like you even have a voice left, to just keep speaking out because you never know who your story is impacting. And I can say this, after just having done this for about three years now where I've been blogging and speaking about sexual abuse, I have heard from so many people who have told me stories about how something that I said in a podcast or something that I shared in an interview with another survivor, something that that survivor said that has just made this big impact in somebody's life. And sometimes it's just tiny little things where I wouldn't have thought that anything would make a difference. And somebody will tell me, you know what? You said this And it just made so much sense to me. And so now I'm doing X, Y, Z to work on my healing, or this really helped me for some reason. And, you know, it seems like in the middle of when you're speaking out and you're trying to make a difference with your voice, it can get discouraging. And sometimes it feels like it's not enough because people can choose to listen or they can choose not to listen. But every time that we share our reality and the truth of our past and the truth of our experiences, we are helping other people. And I know that when I've heard your stories, some of the people that I've interviewed on the podcast or just even reading some of the things that you've posted on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page I have been really deeply impacted by so many of your stories and things that you have shared. And so if you think that it's in vain and sometimes you just have that frustration where it's like nobody's listening and nothing is changing, just know every time you open your mouth to speak out about justice for people who are being abused, you are doing the right thing and you're making an impact. And it may not be the kind of impact that you would personally choose. Like maybe in your mind, it's this thing where you're making some huge impact where like me, I'd love to just take down child abusers. I would love to do it, just throw them all in the slammer. Uh, But I find that with my voice, I am affecting people and affecting change in ways that I definitely would never have thought that I would be doing. And I know that it's the same for you every single time you share your story, because you can say one little thing and somebody can come back to you like two years later and be like, you know, you said this and you shared your story and it gave me the courage to be brave and to share my story. And it gave me the courage to start my healing process or whatever. Uh, it happens so often. And so I want to encourage you. I don't know what your goals are for 2020, but if you are speaking out, about sexual abuse i hope that you're encouraged to keep doing that i did an interview on the speaking out on sex abuse podcast with jimmy and clara hinton and i remember saying like telling my story and saying that i don't know what else to do except to keep speaking out like literally there's not anything else you can do at some point to fight for justice for yourself or for other people who are potential victims or other people who have suffered at the hands of your abuser, sometimes you're at that dead end where it's like, I can't physically do anything else. But every time you speak out, you are making a difference. So I hope that that's a part of your goal for 2020 is to keep speaking out because sometimes it seems like nothing. Sometimes it seems like you're not making any kind of difference, but you never know how your words and your fight are helping other people, and are impacting other lives. So that is the number one goal for 2020, to keep speaking out and to not quit doing it, to rest sometimes because we all need it. It can get tiring. We need to really (laughs) think about self-care and give ourselves breaks and keep our mental health kind of on top of its game and not let things overwhelm us and burden us, but to just be able to keep speaking out for people who can't speak up for themselves and for people who may not even know that they need to hear what you're saying. So number one, keep speaking out. And number two, and I think that especially in the last several weeks, the things that have gone on in my life, I think that this is something that really needed to be on my list. And maybe it needs to be on your list of new year's resolutions or new year's goals as well. And that is to give myself permission to grieve. Now, if you listened to episodes ago, you know that I lost a really good friend and I have been grieving and it has been a very different experience for me than anything I've ever experienced in my life. And so when I say, you know, give myself permission to grieve, I will just be open and honest that I don't like pain and I don't think any of us do. And so I spend a lot of time trying to stuff down pain and a lot of anxiety results because I'd rather feel anything but that raw pain of grief. But I know how important it is to grieve and to give myself permission to grieve because the only way out is through. And that's something that as survivors of sexual abuse, we have trouble believing for ourselves And we kind of get that same sort of feedback from people who should be encouraging us to grieve so that we can heal. We kind of get the idea that we need to just bypass this grieving process, just skip right over it and go ahead to the I'm fine stage. And whether you're doing that, if you've lost someone or whether you're doing that when you have so much from your childhood that needs to be grieved, uh, it's so important to let yourself do it. I remember a friend of mine had a a girlfriend and they ended up getting married they're married now and his girlfriend lost her father suddenly like she was away at camp and i believe her father had a heart attack and died and obviously a very tragic situation she didn't get to say goodbye and she was just going through it and i remember him saying to me you know she's not in a good place and she tells me she doesn't feel like praying and she doesn't feel like talking to god because she's mad at him and and he's like I told her, you need to get over that because, you know, you can't feel that way about God and you need to just do X, Y, Z. And, and, you know, I stopped him because all I could think was the way that we're created and the way that our emotions work. The grieving process is really important and it includes things like anger. If that's anger with God, if that's anger with ourselves, if that's anger with the person who has done us wrong or even just the person who left without saying goodbye to us, it is so important to allow yourself to grieve. We were created to go through that process because it is a process. There is no such thing as instantaneous healing. And I'll tell you that growing up in some of the churches that I grew up in, um, there was a lot of emphasis on faith healing at some of them. And there was this idea, even when it came to emotional issues, where people would say, you know, we're going to lay hands on you and we're going to pray and kind of shake you a little bit and yell things at you from the Bible. And God is just going to take away all of this pain that you've experienced, all of the hurt from your past and just boom, in an instant, he is going to make everything better. And you know, if God wanted to do that, at. I feel like he would have created us with a different like capacity for emotions and not this natural inclination to grieve when something is lost. And there's just this pressure. Sometimes we put it on ourselves. Like I don't want to be this grief stricken person. It makes me feel weak. It makes me feel like I don't have control and heaven help me if I don't have control of every single thing in my life and all around me. You know, we get that feeling like I don't like the way that grief makes me feel. So I just want to skip from being broken to being healed and boom an instant. And that's not the way that it works. And I think that we do ourselves a huge disservice. I know that I did myself a disservice for years and years of my life, thinking that, well, I experienced this abuse as a kid, I wasn't even sure what to call it, if it was sexual abuse, child molestation, if it was I like I was so confused because I didn't really know anything about it. So it was kind of like this question mark. But at the same time, I knew that this had impacted me because I would have flashbacks to it all the time and I would think about it all the time and it would evoke strong emotions in me all the time. And I never could admit that it was something bad that happened that I needed to grieve. And when I finally gave myself permission to grieve what had happened to me, when I realized it was something that I needed to grieve because of how awful it was, you know, that's really when my healing process actually started and when I started to really see change. It was just giving myself permission to be grief-stricken, Over the things I had experienced as a child, things that no child should have to experience, things that had impacted my life to the point where. I was living in reaction to this abuse and in reaction to these things that had happened to me rather than living like the abundant, wonderful life that I was created to live. Those things required a grieving process. And even though I did give myself permission kind of when I first started uh, the whole therapy and healing process, you know, I would stop myself all the time. Like, this is enough. I don't need to be upset anymore. I don't need to grieve anything else. Everything's fine. I just need to move forward and everything's hunky-dory. But you know what? Sometimes there are layers to your grief. Sometimes there is just something that's going to hit you out of nowhere and maybe knock you to your knees again when you think that you've moved past everything. And I think that giving ourselves permission to just feel what we feel and to not be afraid of it. And that's hard for me. I'm going to be completely honest with you. It is really hard for me to give myself permission to feel feelings, to feel sadness. Like I spend a lot of my time trying to fight any kind of feelings of grief or loss because, I mean, nobody likes to feel those. Nobody likes to feel pain. It's not something that we enjoy, but it's something that I fight against so much in my life to the point where I'm just building up all of this anxiety and all of these issues in my mind and in my heart and even in my physical body because I don't want to feel the thing that needs to be felt. and what has happened to us in our lives. And if you're a survivor of sexual abuse, I'm talking to you. If you've gone through any sort of sexual trauma or unwanted sexual touch or sexual experience, what you've gone through needs to be grieved. What you've gone through is something that was impactful enough that you should give yourself permission to be broken over it and to allow yourself to feel the hurt, to feel the pain, and to acknowledge this sucks. It was horrible. It shouldn't have happened. It was wrong. So much was stolen from me that I can never get back. It's giving ourselves the permission to grieve And it's so important. And if you're like me and you fight against that and you don't like to feel that weakness and that vulnerability where you're just with those feelings of sadness. And I I don't think our society helps either because you're told by so many people and I'll just put it out there, especially in the church that you just need to move forward and you just need to trust God and by golly, you know, everything's great because you have Jesus and it's like, you know what? That may be true, but it doesn't change the fact that something awful happened, that your life will never be the same, that you've gone through loss that never should have happened, and it's okay to be sad and to grieve. Like, it's okay. Even Jesus wept when Lazarus died, and he knew he was going to raise Lazarus, but that experience of Someone is gone or something has been taken away and I'm feeling the emotional impact of that. So number two on my list of 2020 goals is to give myself permission to grieve. And I actually might have to do a little more than give myself permission. I may actually have to push myself to do it because it's not something that tends to come naturally for me. You just get in that mindset and I'm not picking on the church today, but something that we are just, it's hammered into our heads as Christians by other Christians normally is that because our salvation is assured, because we know where we're going to spend eternity and who we're going to spend eternity with, and because we know that God wins in the end and therefore we win in the end, that that means that we skip over all of the sadness and tribulation and grief and pain in this lifetime. And that's not something that we were ever guaranteed. And that's not something that is true for us. We have issues. We have things that happen that are terrible and that knock the breath out of us, that bring us to our knees, that deeply wound us and affect us. And it is okay for us to be sad about those things and to grieve those things. And I love that God understands that. When his people sometimes don't, you know, I've used my dad as an example in this podcast before, and I'm going to use him again right now. And I when he began like his healing process from his stroke. He had a lot of physical therapy and the very beginning. And then of course his insurance just like cut it off. So he was making progress and his left side was paralyzed, but he was actually able to kind of move a little bit on his left side. And we were very hopeful that he was doing so well. Well, when they cut off his therapy, uh, it was really hard for him to continue that progress, and he had a lot of issues with his balance. And he would always say, "Like I know I'm going to walk, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to walk." And you know, we encouraged him too. We encouraged him a lot. And at some point in his healing process, and we're about three years out now, there just came a point where it was like, "You know what? There's a chance that you're not going to walk. There's a chance that you were affected so much by this stroke." and you don't have the proper therapy, that you you might not be able to do this. And it's okay. Like, you don't have to pressure yourself to just be positive. Like, you can grieve what's happened to you. You can grieve what you've lost. You can grieve the fact that you can't get up and help yourself, that somebody else has to help you do things like use the bathroom. Like, those are things that deeply affected my dad psychologically and mentally, physically, even spiritually, you know, and he tried to just keep that positive attitude. And, you know, we would have people come to our house and every single one of them were believers in Jesus, Christian people, and they would all pressure him to walk. Like as though if he didn't walk, if he didn't get up out of that wheelchair, get up out of that bed, that God was somehow uh, lacking or that he was giving God a bad name or that he just wasn't believing enough. And Bless his heart, my dad tried so hard to please those people, but it got to the point where he could sense their frustration with him. Um, There was even a pastor that came to visit him, someone I respect, but I would be lying if I said that this incident didn't deeply affect my dad. And he basically said, you know, I'm tired of coming here and seeing you in this bed. And I'm not going to come visit you anymore if you're just going to stay in this bed. You know, when I come, I want to see you up in a chair. I want to see you up moving and really working on healing. And, you know, it wasn't long after that, that this pastor actually did stop visiting my dad. And, you know, it was this feeling like he didn't tell anybody at first that this had happened. And when he finally, you know, because we could tell something was wrong with him, that he was very down and very depressed. And he told us what had happened and he was... He was really broken over that. And I was just angry because I'm like, you know what? You had a stroke and you didn't ask for your brain to bleed to the point where you can't use the left side of your body. You didn't ask to be in a chair or in a bed. You didn't ask to not be able to do the basic things of life for yourself. This is what happened. And as happy and thrilled as we all want you to be, The thing that happened to you sucks and it sucks bad and your entire life has changed and you've lost things you're never getting back. And you know what? You don't have to prove anything to anybody. If somebody doesn't want to visit you because you're in a bed, because that's the only place that you're comfortable, then they don't have to visit you. I just got tired of it. I just did. I got tired of everybody who was like pressuring my dad to walk because he had a massive stroke. His left side didn't work anymore. No matter how much he worked on balance, he could not balance himself. It was just to the point where it was really dangerous for him to keep trying to stand up and to keep trying to balance himself, it just was. And maybe if he'd had some sort of intense therapy and the insurance company had done what they probably should have done and given him like months and months and months of intensive therapy, then maybe, maybe he would have progressed a little bit more. But the truth is, that's just not what happened and it wasn't the place he was at and it wasn't for a lack of trying, you know? It was just his reality. And so I think that he had to get to that point where he stopped just speaking positively, like, oh, I know I'm going to walk. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk. It's like, It was almost like a form of denial. And sometimes I think that that's what our Christian brothers and sisters kind of force onto us. It's this state of denial, like, you know what? sure something bad happened to you sure you were sexually abused when you were a kid but you know what God's healed you from that man you're fine now because Jesus is Lord and you're gonna spend eternity with him and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you and everything's great and so you're sitting there like bleeding to death and people are just like throwing motivational speeches at you and sprinkling you with scriptures that really don't change what's happening inside you And I always feel like I need to put a caveat here because I am not saying that I don't believe in the power of God or the power of scripture. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it is that even Jesus acknowledged in this world, we will have tribulation. And yes, we can be of good cheer knowing that in the end, everything will be made right. But it doesn't change the fact that we go through things that need to be grieved. We go through loss that is huge and impactful, and painful, and God understands. Even when your fellow Christians don't, he understands, and and he made us to have this process that we go through when things happen, where we work through pain, we work through grief, and no, we're never the same, but we come through it learning things and growing as people in ways that is never going to happen if we force ourselves to pretend like everything's fine. So that's number two on my list for 2020, and that is to give myself permission to grieve. It's a part of life. We all need to do it. It is a huge part of healing. And my last goal for 2020 is to give myself permission to hope. You know, sometimes when I talk about the effects of childhood sexual abuse and the impact it's had on my life, sometimes when I look at what's going on in the world, and how many people seem to be evil and harming children, and so many people who don't seem to care and who don't seem to understand the urgency. When I look at all of those things, it is so easy to feel hopeless. And sometimes when I'm sharing here on the podcast, you know, it's hard to find a balance between. I want to share the reality of what it means to survive sexual abuse. I want to share the reality of the impact that sexual abuse has. Because if you don't share that reality, I feel like people don't understand how important it is to prevent abuse and how important it is to respond properly to abuse. If you don't understand the hell that sexual abuse survivors have to go through and the major impact on their lives and all of the things that messes up for them. I don't think you understand the urgency of the situation. I don't think you understand how important it is for individuals and for churches to really have this on their radar and be working to make changes. So I want to share that reality, but I also want to give myself and others permission to hope because yes, sexual abuse is dark, like it's hard, you know, it's hard to just kind of linger in this cesspool of darkness and think about it and talk about it and advocate and just constantly have it at the forefront of your mind. It's difficult because it's dark and it's, it's awful when you really think of the reality of what some people want to do to children and the evil that exists in this world and that exists in the hearts of some men and women. Like it's incomprehensible a lot of the time. But on the flip side of that, I truly believe that there is hope, that each and every one of us has hope, whether you've been through the trauma of childhood sexual abuse or some other kind of trauma in your life, whether you're going through it right now, permission to grieve is important, but permission to hope is just as important. And I want to remind myself to live with that hope because sometimes you can let the darkness kind of overcome you and it gets depressing. You know, it's the reality of the world and the reality of sexual abuse is depressing. It's dark, it's miserable, it's slimy, and it's easy to be consumed by it. Sometimes it's easy to feel hopeless. So one of my goals for 2020 is definitely to give myself permission to hope. Because yes, it's dark. Yes, it's terrible. Yes, it's slimy and disgusting. And it's a huge problem. And we all need to have our eyes open to it. But at the same time, we have hope. The hope that people are beginning to really understand the effects of sexual abuse. 10, 20 years ago, this wasn't a thing. You know, people may not have looked at somebody who was abused and been like, oh, you know, it's very obvious why this person is struggling because they went through X, Y, Z. You know, then we would have just been like, this person stinks. You know, they're just a terrible person. And that's why they're acting out and, you know, drinking a lot and doing drugs. Like, you know, back in the day, that's just kind of how it went. And the hope for us now is that people's eyes are being open to the impact of sexual abuse. People's eyes are being open to the fact that it's important to talk about it. We're getting to a place in society Depending on where you live in the world, but in the Western world where it is no longer taboo to talk about sexual abuse, it might still be within the walls of your church, but in the world at large, at least in the Western world, there isn't that massive taboo where, oh, let's keep this hush hush and let's not talk about it. We're starting to really be open about it and to be honest about the impact of sexual abuse, what we deal with as a result and why it's important to fight it. So I have hope based on that, that these conversations are happening, that people are fighting and that we're actually seeing some change, whether it's changes in laws or changes in church policies or just changes in the way that we conduct our lives or the way that we raise children, there are changes happening. And so that's something that can give us hope if we give ourselves permission to feel that hope. And the other hope that i have and sometimes it's really hard to grasp onto because you can kind of get lost in the chaos of all the upheaval that sexual abuse has caused in your life and the things you're dealing with as a result maybe you have a mental health issue related to sexual abuse maybe you have relationship issues related to sexual abuse there's so many things that you could be dealing with as a result that sometimes it might feel hopeless like there's nothing i can do this is how i'm always going to be and you can kind of let that darkness overcome you but I think it's important in in the case of your personal mental health and well-being and healing process to give yourself hope or give yourself permission to hope that there is healing and that there is change and that you are enough as a person. You are already a whole person. And yes, you have some healing to do, but that healing can happen. It's not impossible. And even though our lives may not look like these perfect white picket fence lives that we dreamed about when we were small children, like maybe things didn't turn out the way that you thought they would. And again, it's okay to grieve that, but it's also okay to give yourself permission to hope that your future is bright, that healing is possible, that you can make progress in your life mentally and psychologically and physically and spiritually by leaps and bounds because you've already taken the hardest step. And that's that first step of admitting that there's something in you that was impacted. There's something in you that needs to be grieved and worked through. And once you admit that to yourself, you are already like on the road to healing and you're opening yourself up for so much healing and so much progress to take place in your life. So those are the things that I wanted to share with you today. My goals for 2020, and maybe you share some of these, maybe you have your own, but it is once again, to keep speaking out, to give myself permission to grieve and to give myself permission to hope. So that's goals for 2020. And again, I'm going to be posting in the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group, asking you what your 2020 goals are as a survivor of sexual abuse, or just as a human being in general who might have some fun goals to think about in the upcoming year. So I'd love for you to comment there and let me know. Again, just join the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. You can find us on Facebook, search Survivor Sanctuary. You're going to have to request to be added because it's a private group. So I will add you and you can be a part of the conversation there. Hey, thank you so much for just chatting with me for this time I appreciate every single week that you listen online, however you tune into this podcast. I appreciate it so much. I know that your time is valuable and it's awesome that you spend some of it with me every single week. I really love that. Well, I want to wish you a very happy new year and I do hope and I do pray that it is an amazing year for all of us. Of course, we've got challenges coming, but we're strong and we're fighters and we've got some really great people in our corner. And I appreciate you guys being in my corner. So happy new year. And I'll catch you back here on the next episode of survivor sanctuary. Thanks for listening to survivor sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast.